Welcome to Holeback Rack Podcast. My name is Jessica Hare. I operate Hare Hollow Farm, and we breed boas, balls, and select colubrids. Hi, I'm Jenna King. I operate ASM Royal Tails, and I breed high-end ball pythons. We want to share our journey navigating herpetoculture and are dedicated to promoting biohazard safety for all species. And we would love you to answer the question, what's in your holdback rack? Where was Jana? Welcome. What happened? To episode 29. Welcome. Jana, we didn't do a podcast last week, and I think it was because you were gargling a Belrog's Balzac. Is this a fact? <laughs> yes, I was. I was doing my best to be a zombie literally and i sounded like a zombie and you couldn't understand me so we could have done a podcast but it probably would have just been me making horrible it was like croaking <laughs> um like one of those croaky voices where they've lost all voice she sent me a audio clip and i'm like that's um unacceptable, unacceptable. <laughs> objection <laughs> rejected um yeah i was dying a little bit, but my COVID tests were negative, so... You just had just good old-fashioned dying. Just nice. good old-fashioned dying. I'm here now. I apologize for those of you who... Uh, we're back, no bitches. Podcast. We're back, bitches. That's Fuck right. Fuck them. Can't the keep them down. Missed. Since I'm getting ready to move, there probably will be more missed weeks randomly, because I record the audio to my computer. So whenever the computer is... Packed up. Packed up in July, there might be like a dead week then also so we could pre-record for that week if we want to but we don't have to there's no rules here only fun only fun mm-hmm. and not safe for work Words right remember everybody at home it's not safe for work if or, you're just tuning in not safe for work right if this is your, your first time listening to the podcast send your kids away and this is about reptiles sort of sometimes it's not sometimes, sometimes it's about Briggerton, you know right sometimes we did have perry post did a shout out on YouTube and Lou Balls did a shout out on Instagram. And they said that they had left a review on Google reviews, which I didn't even go check. I just believed them. So that's cool. So just remember, if you leave a review, five-star review on wherever you listen to the episodes, I'll try to give you a shout out. Also, we have a million of you doing it. And then we'll have to pick and choose winners at that point. Will we ever get to that yeah. point though, Jana? I'm going to hold my breath over here. <laughs> She'll be dead. <laughs> All right, today's topic is one that I feel really strongly about, and I think nobody talks about. I haven't seen it talked about anywhere, actually. I was really excited about it. It's a good idea. Half of what makes the hobby fun is collection building. Like, how do you decide what to have of what species or what kinds of what species within the species? Or, you know, that that's the fun. You're, like, acquiring and assembling and holdbacking because this is a holdback rack, and you're the planning is, for me, I don't know, a solid 60% of the fun. Thinking about it, thinking about the future. And so collection strategies fall into two camps in general. People who have large numbers of less species and people that have Noah's Ark type collections. Jana, what is a Noah's Ark collection? It is two of every kind. <laughs> Pairs, small numbers, trios of many species instead of tens or hundreds of uh, individual species. I have mostly ball pythons. Right. And I feel like ball python people also mostly have ball pythons. You are correct. And I feel like the species that are very morphy lend to people having lots of kinds of that species. So they'll have like a crested gecko person would be like, I'm going to go balls out crested geckos and I might have chihuahuas and lychees or whatever. 
but they can have 100 crested geckos and that's not weird to anybody in the hobby but there's the other people the non-morph part of the hobby that are very staunch proponents of noah's ark style collections they're like you need to stop getting more of the same kind of thing and stop the morph game and you need to start getting two of all the kinds of things to try them out you're kind of both aren't you Yes, and I think it's a problem, and I'm going to tell you why. (laughs) Like, I start with the cons, because to me, the part of the hobby that wants you to do two of every kind does not explain to you why that is a mistake. It's just, it only thinks about the potential benefits, and and since I have 100 ball pythons and 50 boas, but only, but some little Noah's Ark colubrids, it is a fucking mistake. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see if we can prove it to everybody at home that it is a mistake to Noah's Ark anything. But definitely little colubrids. The first con is having just two of a species means that you never really learn the actual range of husbandry or traits of the species. And then I got some examples. Like if you only bought two corn snakes and they're like psychos, which most corn snakes are cool. You wouldn't know that most corn snakes are cool if you had two that were like the super runners that poop on you every time. And that's the same for other sort of traits. Like if you have two ball pythons that are mouse only eaters and you're like, well, I guess all ball pythons only eat mice. All are obnoxious eaters. Yes. Yeah. You would ignore the 80% that are pretty chill about eating and will eat whatever. The biased lens of only having two animals ever to determine your perception of the species means that you're sort of window to understand them is not even remotely complete and maybe not accurate. Or maybe it is. Maybe you had two that were perfectly normal John Doe and Jane Doe snake, snakey. And you're like, okay, this is a perfectly representative, maybe, but maybe not. How would you know? You only ever had two. And then this is an opinion that I think, I don't know if you share, you can uh, chime in, but I think having 100 of one species for... One year is more experience than having two of one species for 50 years. What do you think about that? I think that's a stretch. I think it's just a little bit. No, I think having 100 for a year is a lot of experience. But I think that if you've kept them for 50 years, that your experience is, I would consider that person more experienced than the person that's only has one year reptile keeping of 100. I don't. I, I see that. I say we're different. Okay. We're different in that. Like, so I mean, so I mean, I mean like 100 one... of different ages doing different things. Like if you have 100 babies, you've only experienced 100 baby ball pythons. If you have 100 and 20 of them were females, 10 were adult males, a bunch of them were sub-adults, and a like bunch of them were babies, breeding. you would have a normal sort of windows view of what a snake is. If someone has two ball pythons for 30 years... What do they know about the entire ball python population? You mean if they're just like pets and they don't breed Even them if they breed them, they've only seen what one female does for follicle with development one male. with one male. That's fair. I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong. I just am saying that like... You did just say I was ex- wrong. I said I don't agree. That's different than being wrong. So this is a, an exaggerated example because I don't know anybody right. that has 100 of perfectly balanced ages and only two for 50 years of the exact same species and they never expanded or did anything else with it but i think people like you or me who do not necessarily have 30 years of experience are automatically discounted because we just don't have 30 years of experience 
Right. I, I do feel like I get discounted because of how new I am. They're like, and talk to me if you're still here in five years. I have a quite a large collection for someone who hasn't been in it very long. I did, even though last year was my first season, I do feel like I experienced quite a lot of events, breeding events that you have to, right. like you can just read about having a A-bound female and it's not the same thing as experiencing that. Whereas, right. So a person who only had two may never have experienced parthenogenesis, eggbound right. female, Egg. males that don't want to breed until they're a thousand grams because they're dumb, or males that have bum sperm because he only, he had two good ones. So I right. just think the sheer n equals fifty or n equals one hundred opens you up to more experiences that time doesn't necessarily offer you. I would agree with you on that statement. Yeah, I'm not saying that person did not have experiences. Because their collection was always only very small, did they have the full range of experiences that that species could offer you? No, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Unless their female did every weird thing every year (laughs) 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 and managed to like achieve achieve all of them like a fucking hit all the points. That's right. So someone who's had a hundred snakes for five years, I think, would be like the peak experienced person you want to listen to. So they've had a lot of snakes for a long time. I would agree with that. Yeah. 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 But there's a lot of people who are like, well, I had a boa for 20 years. And it's, and it's still on a red experience. heat lamp. And you're like, okay. <laughs> so that's your evidence that you've fully it's understood. It's in a 55 gallon. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, I hear that all the time with, with, with ball python people that just come by one rat or whatever. I have it in a wooden. I'm like, okay, I know it's alive, but... It's pretty obvious, but if one of your pair is the wrong gender, dies, escapes, or is otherwise made incapable of breeding, your entire project is kaput. Dead. Done. Yeah. It's obvious, but nobody thinks about it. Everybody buys a pair of something. Not everybody. The people who know his arc will buy a pair of them to try them out and be like, oh, I have two males. Or in Colubrid case, one of them busts loose and runs away, which happens a lot. And now you're left with one snake of one species right and if you had even just like a two three colony you'd be better positioned than this noah's ark bullshit and i think that's what i'm trying to like drive home here is there's a lot of things that you don't think about when you're just picking up a pair for fun let's just pick up a pair of such and such i was gonna say how many just pairs do you have jessica (laughs) you did quite a bit of that this year didn't you i picked up world i picked up Four Russian rat snakes, two broadbanded bamboo rat snakes, and two dions this year. And I'd already had just two Japanese rat snakes and kept a daughter. So ideally, I would need to go buy at least another unrelated... Kept a daughter from this year or last year? From last year. I don't know what I'm keeping this year. Okay. So I decided... I guess I haven't said this. I decided to call both of the older Russian rat snakes... Because they had a persistent, it didn't respond well to treatment, respiratory infection that also did not pop up on a test. And I didn't know why or if that was good or safe. So those are gone. Gonzo. So now I'm back. Yeah, last time I talked to you, you hadn't decided what you were doing yet. So I'm back down to just a pair. Let's just go with that. So I need at least another pair. And I need at least another pair of... So yes, I have done it this year and I've already had problems, right? So I'm back down to a pair. And most of the time, if you buy a pair, they're usually related. 
Yes, and there's some stuff down there about that problem. If you were to buy a pair from someone, they're probably siblings from that one clutch because they only ever bought a pair also. Right. Right. So when you only have one pair of something, you're not selective breeding in any way. You're just breeding. And just I know breeding. people like yeah. to shit on ball python people for being like a puppy mill. I'm like, who's a motherfucking puppy mill now? You literally have no criteria that you're selecting selecting on when you just have a pair. You're just breeding them. You're slapping two together because that's literally all you have. And I'm talking about myself right now. So fuck me. <laughs> but the people who are like very strong proponents of Noah's Ark style collections will shit on ball python people all day for, for just like breeding too much or breeding stuff that doesn't matter or whatever. But they are literally the definition of a puppy mill by just hitting fucking copy on their printer for this kind of snake without any regard to any of the following selection criteria that would be important. Like you can't select for good feeders. You can't select for good morphology of the snake. Like if it's ugly as fuck. Sorry, that's all you got. (laughs) It's got a fat (laughs) head or weird body. You can't select for good temperament. You can't select for morphs like whatever morphs you have in that that pair that's all you got can't really select do polygenic selection either like you might see a little bit of variation in the babies but probably not because that's all you got you just got those two parents oh you kind of hit gold with your your japanese rat snakes i mean i know that the albino isn't wanted but yours are pretty this year pretty apparent yeah but i don't know what that means Right, I don't know if that was a so, product like of incubation, incubation error or something cool happened. Three of them are wonky to some extent, and two are totally normal. But none of them were like that last year. But also, there was no albinos last year. So what the fuck does that mean? Who knows? Doesn't matter. I will get more Japanese rat snakes by next year. Hopefully, an- another at least another adult male. At least have because you want to ha- do trios, don't you? No, I want to do ten or something. Oh, in one enclosure? <laughs> no, and just in general, ten. Oh, okay. Per species, that'd be great. Or five, five, or three, seven. I don't know. Like it doesn't matter. It just two is not enough. Four is barely enough. It should be more like a larger number. Like what if his hemipene falls off and then he's out of luck? <laughs> no, then you're out of luck. <laughs> yeah, she's out of luck too. You know what I mean? She's out of luck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you buy the pair as siblings from the original breeder, your sibling crosses with its sibling means that you probably shouldn't be selling your babies as pairs. It's too much inbreeding. I just said this, but it's a point on the thing. Because if everybody knows arcs and has pairs, and then they're selling pairs, like with garter snakes, you can only buy them usually in pairs because people don't want to, if they just sell, sell females, they all will be stuck with their males so they make you buy a male and a female to sell the males but then we're all breeding siblings and we're not helping the species any are we no right no, you're I, just I contributing yeah. to like unnecessary homozygosity you could be fine but you could find bad alleles of something so there's a big i took it off the show notes for time but there was a big debate in the hognose group about whether or not someone who forced one one pairs was a scammer in a way like even though they were a real breeder that was a scam like if you cannot move your males as pets and allow free females to go to breeder homes you are a scammer 
like you were running i understand what you're saying yeah yeah so there was a big debate and even like the moderator was like fuck anyone who forces one one pairs and i'm like whoa that seems strong strong words strong words and i I don't know where i fall like like the ball python industry would be one that could benefit from one one pairs for the seller's perspective because males are so hard less valuable but I think maybe one of my pairs just shouldn't exist because we need to make a better conduit to getting pet quality males that aren't necessary for breeding into pet homes. Whatever that looks like. Shows, wholesaling to good pet stores, whatever. So maybe that should be true for garter snakes. So we don't have to inbreed siblings over and over again. But if you did have to buy pairs, you'd just buy multiple pairs and then have... And then flip, flip them. Right. Right. It's just nobody talks about that in terms of collection building. They just said, well, if you like something, just go get a pair of it and see what happens. Right. So once mine are old enough to sex, because they're, they're very difficult to sex when they're teeny tiny, I think I have a trio, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so once they're bigger, I will sex them and see if they are a trio. And if they are, then I will probably purchase an additional trio and then i will probably flip-flop the males all right that'd be good and then if a male escapes he could still technically cover all four females correct for a season or two until you found another that was the other test is they're they're really expensive and i just assumed they were all going to keep escaping forever but i have managed to keep alive three garters for three months in my pet tank (sighs) pet tank (laughs) i look forward this is going to sound, this is totally an off topic, to not having any bioactive in my new house. That's all I have to say about that. To me, it's been a constant reservoir for forward flies to like run back to and then repopulate once a single turd is laid somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping that when I move out to my building that I can get a handle on the fly issue. It's there will be no bioactive out in the building. So fingers crossed, everybody. Another con. If someone already bought animals from you the previous year, even if your pair were unrelated, they would not necessarily want to buy babies from subsequent years of pairing. They're just siblings. Because they're just siblings. They're yeah. just siblings from different years. You have no new morphs, no new genetics, and they're still siblings. So this is like shooting the repeat customer trajectory in the foot. Because why would they want to come back to you for another one since your colony is not big enough to support? Because you're just cranking out the same genetics. Yes. So even if someone's like, I don't want to have 20 Japanese rat snakes. Well, that's fine. At least have multiple pairs so people can pick up unrelated pairs for themselves or whatever your species are. If you have trouble selling the babies from your pair, you might think no one wants to buy that species. But the fact might be that no one wants to buy the babies from your pair. Mm, burn. Uh, <laughs> this is pretty common with uh, two meh boas when they're bred together, make meh boa babies, which can only go to pet homes. And there aren't super a lot of pet homes, are there? Right. And then you could put this on anything. You could be like... To a pastel and a spider, and you made bumblebees, pastels, spiders, and normals. The ball python industry is dead. (laughs) Or you, two like dirt brown boas that are like mutts 
Uh, congratulations, you have 20 new dirt brown boas who are mutts. Nobody your, wants the dirt Your perception brown. of the market is completely controlled by the babies produced from only that pair. But if you had five females and three males, you'd be like, oh, people are really into the babies from this mom, but not this mom. So maybe she can go on as a pet home and I'll focus on this lineage because it's high color or whatever the criteria are. But you have such a limited way to test the market. When you literally only have the products of one pairing. Having a diverse collection means you never get known for any one thing potentially. If you don't at least have a focus point for your interests. So I have on here like being the best Plains Garter Snake girl is better than being the best Garter Snake girl. Which is better than being the Colubrid girl. And you can argue like well there's not enough interest in just Plains Garter Snakes. And maybe that's true. So you could change the species. What if you were... The chondro keeper girl. The best keeper of chondros. Is that better than being like the best keeper of Moralia? So so that group, which sort of chondros are a cousin. Or the best python keeper. You're so fucking generic as like the python keeper. Because you have two of a bunch of kinds of pythons. Are you known for anything? I mean like NPR is like, I'm not going to take a shit on NPR. This isn't that. But they're always advocating people like, Try different species and have like, what do you want your your potential listener to do? Be a so... What is the end game of your advice? <laughs> yeah, are you like telling them to be so generalized no one will know that they even have that species to sell because they think that they sell something else? Or I don't know. I don't know. Obviously that advice has nothing to do with sales in my opinion. But like if you're right. trying to make a business, you should try to be known for something. Leopard gecko morphs. And I don't know, pick something. Uh, Chondros, like you could be like, those are my two things that I want to be known for or whatever, or three things. But why would you want to be someone who's not known for 10 things or 15 things when you could be like the person who's the... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I'm trying to get at there. I also feel like that's kind of the reason why I went more Enhancer rather than Desert Ghost is because it's just not done as much here in the US. And I felt like... It might lend to some, not notoriety, I mean, that's too strong a word, but I thought because people, a lot of people do watch um, Mutation Creation, a lot of people do, you know, Canova's working with Enhancer, but it's not easily accessible, that having it might give me an edge. And that's a morph, not a species. Right, and the rule still, still applies. Like, if you could be, and we talked about this in the, like, building your, your yeah. success, to have a focal point that you're trying to be known for right you can fuck yourself the same way with with morphs within a species being like i'm gonna do a pair or so of every kind of ball python that is a mistake do not do that oh my gosh every recessive i have a pair of every recessive right you don't even have full breeding groups you just have a pair like congratulations for fucking yourself right in the ass this is the same topic (laughs) just with species instead of morphs to me, to me. And I've bought a couple of pairs this year and it, I feel like it's it's not a mistake to get into those species. It's just a mistake to get into two of those species, in my opinion. Right. I agree. More. More. <laughs> so if you can't handle more, the thing there would be like, pick the species you really want to have more of in whatever way you can. Now the point, the first thing that I think of when I think of a Noah's Ark collection that makes me go, 
is that there's a big spillover events that are more common in mixed species collections than single species, like ball python nidovirus cannot get into carpet pythons unless they have some proximity, which allows for cross-contamination. Larger groups of animals means that carpets could get their own room or their own facility. Ball pythons can have their own room, and then you don't have to worry about cross-contamination. But a collection that's full of pairs and trios, like you can't give every single (laughs) pair its own room, even in a facility. Right, and that doesn't even make sense, like... Why would I justify giving this pair this much space? So it obviously makes sense that they would pile them all in one room, but then they're falling into the piling them all in one room trap. Right. Which nobody Which calls it a trap is... in the whole earth. But Holbeck Rack Podcast, the only podcast telling you like it is. That that's right. a fucked up, terrible decision. And I, there's a lot of cool people with even cool collections so that safe. do even it. Even if you're so safe, even if you're so on top of your biosecurity, it's still... It's, it's like hard. a ticking time bomb. <laughs> even if you're, even if you're testing everything, even if you're wearing gloves, and even if you like have it all, it's like it's so many, it's so much. No, I can't. I can't do it. I want to be the cool person that has pairs and trios of all the really cool rat snakes, but people will shit on someone for having a single species collection because it's not, it doesn't have like the prestige or something, and I'm like. Well, why? Why doesn't? Th- why is that not acceptable when that person is perfecting I the species instead the of fucking around with only thirty species? Shit on for only having one species is the ball python industry, and they only have ball pythons. So everybody's like, "Oh, you're just in that because it looks cool and you want to make money. You don't actually care about reptiles." Is what they're trying. I think is what they're trying to say. Us only ball pythoners. Well, I think people will shit on. Only retic people, only burn people, only boa people. The only thing they don't shit on, it, if they're only that, is if it's something hard, like a chondro or chondro, yeah, or emerald tree boas, or just scrub pythons. Like if they were like, I'm just gonna do fucking scrub pythons, they'd be like, cool, you're trying something hard and you're trying to perfect it. But if someone did the same thing with a ball python, they'd be like, you're a fucking scrub noob, fuck you, you're just puppy milling or something. And I'm like. Are they puppy milling if they're trying to find the best, most saleable, best eating, best confirmation, best breeding, best, uh, you know, like that person is finding the best in their collection and then breeding the shit out of that to everything to make a better ball python. Why don't they get any sort of credit, Jana? I don't don't know either. These are the benefits of having a Noah's Ark collection. There are benefits. This is not a one-sided diatribe. Oh, it's just not going to be an all-negative episode. No. Well, it will be. Oh, good. We'll 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 just we'll drive it into the ground eventually. But oh, okay, cool. This collection building strategy keeps the maximum number of eggs in the maximum number of baskets. Pun intended. <sighs> so if you like, if all of a sudden you know Mexican black king snakes explode in the market and they were you know a hundred dollar snake and now they're a five hundred dollar snake you've got a pair of those right so you could hold back females quickly to like raise up to be ready or maybe you had a trio or whatever you're relevant in the in the market swings right right away the other thing is if you have a bad species for one bad season for one species you have 15 others that could do well for you which 
it's only sort of a good argument because like maybe that whole species wouldn't have done bad. It was just that pair. So if you had 15 of pairs of that species, maybe they all wouldn't have done bad. It was more of like just that pair having the problem. But if you have different species and there's some sort of like environmental issue in your room, like it got too hot or it didn't get cold enough and that species didn't do well, that entire species wouldn't be kaput for you because the other ones would be okay. This is like more of a problem with like if you couldn't get your room cold enough for your like diamond pythons to go or whatever over the winter. Well, then your IJs might still go because they're a, a warmer breeder anyway. So having different species would be a benefit. And this one I think is why most people know Ark is so they can bring diverse species to like a reptile show on the table. I don't know why, but people are always weirdly attracted to wholesalers tables at shows because there's always like a variety mm-hmm. and they're drawn into that variety they're just like a bunch of little colubrids a bunch of ball pythons a bunch of boas some retics some spiders like it looks like a pet store or whatever which is basically what yeah. it is and so people are always on the facebook groups around here that was the only table with anything good on it or whatever like anything interesting and then you're like okay well they're all got crypto so congratulations for your interesting disease infested animal do you want to hunt down the person who has Nelson's milk snakes or do you want to go find it on the wholesaler table where you know you'll probably get Nelson's milk snakes because they get wholesaled a lot? I don't know. So if you have a diverse table because you have a diverse collection, you might be able to draw in more of the like looky-loos who might be there looking at crested geckos but then will see your milk snake or whatever. And they're like, I'm getting both of those. Right, because they don't necessarily want a ball python all the time. And so you can have repeat buyers coming back and be like, I bought a ball python from you before and I want another pet, but I don't want the same thing. Something else is on the table. It's different and might be exciting for them. And I think you can still bring diversity to a table. You just have to be like, A, what is the composition of the table? And B, can you have colonies that are large enough to produce those babies while still keeping in mind the other sort of failings in the con section? A lot of people don't do that. They just buy a pair. They're just like, hopefully it'll make my table diverse. You should definitely test drive a species before buying 30 of them. Mm -hmm. So having sets of pairs allows for trial period. But as previously mentioned, your sample size is very small. So you might not be getting a true assessment of that species. Like you're doing that with hognose. Right. So most hognose eat better than Hogwarts's did, is my understanding on the internet. But does your male eat well? Yeah, he eats great. But if now, I, how many so I should have, have bought like five or something. Ideally, I should have gotten the hog nose, been like, this was good. And then just bought maybe four or five more females in the same time period. And so I would have four or five more come into size now. Just never did. Mistake. Another mistake. <laughs> yeah, but now you're moving to a place where hog noses are obnoxious to have. Right. So it's fine. I think that it's still true. Every time I only buy two of something... I should have bought more of the same thing. Right. Okay. Every time. I've never not been like, shit, I don't need more Japanese rat snakes. I do need more because I could test her albinism now or whatever. You know, these ones are being little shits for starting to eat. Not most Japanese rat snakes supposedly aren't like that. So is it the male's problem? Is it the female's problem? If I paired them to different parents, I could see like who was the parent that was throwing babies that want to eat only chick scented pinkies are you having to scent these ones yeah or are they doing better these little fucks 100 did you have to like did you have to like cut up your little ducky 
I've been using chick right now because that's oh, most okay. of what I have. Only one has eaten scented and one is eating live and the others are still refusing. But, and they'll eat it eventually. But they're not supposed to be this picky. So I think it's a pear problem. So what are you going to do about that? Are you going to get... Because you only buy babies, right? No, I would buy adults if they weren't going to die or come with a, a respiratory infection that persisted. <laughs> I bought those uh, Russian rat snakes. Yeah, but now That's they're adults. fertilizer. I know. That's what I'm saying. Mistakes. If you're going to buy adults, you have to assume some percentage of them will end up like the Russian rat snakes and have something wrong with them. Or some of them will be good, like the Japanese rat snakes, and they'll be perfectly fine. Which one is it going to be? Hmm. You don't know. You don't know until you spend the money on them and you get them. Because it's the same with the ball pythons. Like, even if you got a testing guarantee, you and I both know you can buy a ball python on either gender that never breeds. Yep. Or doesn't breed for a long time or tries to breed and has nothing good to show for it. It's real scary when you spend a lot of money on a male. <laughs> yeah, or a female that just doesn't want to go till they're eight or something. That happens too. But I 100% have a female that's five now. And this, she might be going now for the first time in her life. It's fine that they do that. All snakes are different. But they, some of them could never go. So... Since adult colubrids are less expensive than like an adult ball python equivalent, there's like an argument of like, do you want to try to buy some to produce it sooner? Adults, I mean, and just take the risk and just eat it, eat the money if it doesn't work out or don't. I mean, buying babies is always a good bet. You got to decide in which situation is the risk worth it. Like the Japanese rat stinks, I bought both of them as adults and they were just fine. You need more. My problem is, is they're big and basically at least semi-arboreal, so they need big cages, but I would like more. The other problem is going deep in some species will flood the market for that species. If someone wakes up tomorrow and assembles 30 of a particular species and then starts cranking out that number of animals for a large or low-demand animal like an anaconda or a rare colubrid, there probably isn't enough interest in the market to even absorb that many new babies. Especially from you, maybe like a new person. The question starts to be like, can you drum up enough interest in your own sort of new colony of X species to place the amount of animals you would need given whatever the fecundity of your species is? So that would be like an argument against colony breeding and just having a pair or two. Because you're not going to flood your market. And you're yeah. Not gonna... Who wants 5,000 green anacondas, Jenna? Does anybody? No. I mean... No, can they even eat, like feed another animal? <laughs> could they be fodder for something? Like, yeah, no, I have no idea why you would breed anacondas. Right, and I the question is also true for pick like a random, even just rare python, like olive pythons or water pythons. They're okay. People like them. People like to collect them in pairs or trios. Because they know there's not that much demand for them. And if they just like slammed 10 females and had 10 clutches a year, what would they do with all those things? So that, that's an argument for not having a colony of them. But in my opinion, what you should do is just have the colony so you can have selection criteria for like good eaters or females that don't kill their males. That would be a good idea in those species anyway. <laughs> you can have a selection criteria. You just don't breed them every year. You breed them every other year. So maybe you have more animals, or you have less multiple pairs, and you can swap up who you're pairing that year, but only breed one pair a year. Right, 
And most so pythons would be like, babies. that's cool. I think someone doesn't need to jump up to 30 females of the species. You could start with like, I'm going to have a 3-5 colony of the species, not a pair. So I could pick the best ones, do some selective breeding, and decide if to expand or contract or breed or not breed based on the market. You know, if you have babies left over from last year and it's October of the next year, you didn't need to breed again. You could start right. to gauge how much you, you can Then sell. you probably don't need to be doing brumation. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or or what, or what? just throw, in Python's case, they, they like to breed every other year anyway. Like slow down the feeding. They won't necessarily want to build follicles if you slow their feeding down. And they certainly aren't going to die if you put them on like a slow mode. They'll be fine. Let them take a year off. That's cool. Like, there's people who run, you know, Brettles pythons. They're pretty big. They're pretty big. And they're cool. They're red. But they're really big. They're bigger than boas. Most boas. Do we need 100 clutches of Brettles pythons in the U.S. every year? No. No. Probably not. No. They're cool. We should have people breeding them and selective breeding for color and doing stuff. But the market just doesn't support that many Brettles pythons going to good homes. I think there's a balance there where you can figure it out and still have a more than the like Noah's Ark pear style bullshit that I'm so over at this point. Final thoughts, Jana. Test driving a species might be the whole point of your collection and not breeding. If establishing and farting around with species, not really caring about the breeding aspect is what gets your rocks off, then uh, any breeding snake sales arguments probably don't matter to you. No. If you're having pets for fun, as always, have fun. Yeah. Who cares? Carry on. <laughs> yeah. Please have two of every kind and do whatever. Just try not to cross contaminate and get them all sick. But besides that, I literally don't care. But if someone's like, I'm in it for a business and you're already looking at the grass is already green, green at like another species every year, like getting bored, you know, that those kind of keepers, mm-hmm. they're chasing sales, chasing trends. Are you ever going to... That sounds exhausting. Yeah. You... Especially with animals that have to grow up and get bigger. And... Yeah. You need time, invested time. And I can definitely see how that could like make it f- fun to get excited about a new species or kind of... If you're like, oh, I've been into snakes for five years. Now I'm bored. I would like to add geckos. But a lot of times they're adding like multiple kinds of geckos. And then the next year they added new- another species of snake that's slightly different. Like, Justin Kapilka didn't become Justin Kapilka because he, like, played around with 10 species. He's got a room for that, though. Now he does, but he didn't for fucking 18 years or something. Yeah, 20 years before he did that. Yeah, when you become an old man. Now I got this all dialed in. Yeah, with a Porsche. I'm going to play over here. Then you can play. But right now, anybody. With my freaking. (laughs) Yeah. Anybody who claims to be a business and is doing this, I'm just. This is a hobby. You're your hobby right now. This is a hobby behavior. This isn't a business behavior. You're supposed to be like figuring out the market for whatever you're doing. If you don't like what you're doing, then go ahead and switch to whatever you think you're going to like. But the like dilly-dallying, selling off, before they even produce some of the times. People will buy two boas and be like, I want to try boas. They'll have them for two years. And they'll be like, I don't like boas. You had two for two years. Do you know anything about boas or selling boas or keeping? Like You know something about keeping, but... Your business was great. Don't do that. Don't even bother getting into them if you're going to do that. So this is in reference to collections that are having fun. So collections that are having fun, or you just want to run your business this way, you need to be extremely careful what species are near which other species. 
the between species hygiene needs to be at the highest level possible. I'm talking gloves. I'm talking new tongs for new species, like a tong per species. It's not cool to have a fucking zoo. It's, it's my point. You're not cool. You're a liability. <laughs> we don't have tests for everything that's important. Like the Guangdong Mandarin rat snake virus is does not have a test. I know it exists. But I know it kills colonies in China all the time. Wee! Cool. Great. We don't have a full or adequate understanding of all of the kind of infectious diseases that could exist in any species of snake, lizard, turtle, whatever at any time. We have a very small understanding. So you need to not touch different species to each other. Ever. Please. Jesus. In general, the idea of a reptile room being a, the dedicated space where all 20 of your species live... And you make Instagram reels where you're like panning over and there's all these bioactive. That seems cool because you have like a private zoo. But to me, it's not cool. And it should be discouraged as much as possible. Because that's just like a forward fly nightmare. One to the other to the other. If something gets in your room that we don't know of or we do know of. Because testing can't sort of discover everything we need to know to prevent things from happening. And I think like 400 people will hate me for saying any of this because most people are stuck in one room. Their wife hates them, does not love them enough, not enough BJs. And they have only one room in the house. Not enough BJs in this house, Mm -mm. that's for sure. Mm -mm. You only get the one room. One room for snakes. They can't have snakes anywhere else. So they have to quarantine in that room. They have to have their main collections in that room. They have to do all kinds of crazy stuff. All of it in that room. And that's the only way the marriage keeps going. Get a new wife. I don't know. I don't know. Like, you need more rooms. If you're going to have more species, you need more rooms. Or you need to decide what's actually going to go in that room and be really intentional about it. If you want to do... A colubrid room. Yeah, or no. even l- less than that. Because king snakes tolerate crypto better than corn snakes. So That's fair. The ones that tolerate crypto well, they can have a room. And then they're ones that die from crypto, they can have their own room together. It's It would be hard to make the decisions because you also need to keep in mind like temperature, region that they're from, country or whatever. Like I don't want people keeping doom rolls boas in the same rack as imperator boas. They're boas, but they're from different parts of the world. They don't need to be near each other. But it's hard because I understand that people have like space limitations. But that's why less species is better. Because you're having less chances for stuff to cross-contaminate and cause an issue. Also, quarantine in a different room. But I know... Always quarantine in a different room. Yeah, lots of people don't, <laughs> though. So, quarantining uh... in a room with different species is not quarantine. Oh, just God. because there's... Different just species. Just because there's no other species in that room, like the one you're quarantining, does not mean that that counts as a quarantine. Quarantine means no other animals in that room. Right. Yeah, and I'm, this is, like, really hard because I think people have, like, legitimate limitations to their space. They only have one room. I Like, most of the people I know only have one room. And I'm just like, I don't know any good advice for that situation. I don't know what to do for you if you only have one room because I have snakes in every room. Every room the light touches as far as the eye <laughs> can see. Right. And occasionally the sunroom. <laughs> yeah. But I think if they had less species, this would sort of self-solve the problem. If they were like, okay, I'm going to focus on my three favorites. And so this wall will be one. This wall will be one. This wall will be one. 
and we'll quarantine in the hall closet. But people are like, no, I want to try everything. I buy stuff at shows and just let it dribble in. Blah. Anyway, that's uh, Noah's Ark collections and my complicated feelings about them. I mean, you could have a one species collection, but then like accidentally have a bunch of Noah's Ark pairs. And that part is still a fuck up. Like I have mini boas, mini balls, mini corn snakes, but not enough of like their the Asian colubrids to be doing them correctly, in my opinion. So if you have like a ball python collection and two random blood pythons, that's a mistake. What are you doing? What is your plan with those two? Or people? I don't have a plan, Jessica. <laughs> what do I do? I just bought them for fun. I yeah, or people to have some fun. I'm just trying to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, I, and it is fun getting new things. I just don't know what it means because a lot of times those ones that you're not that passionate about, you're just trying out. You end up moving them on anyway. So. Is it that is it that fair or fun? I don't know. That's it. Let's do news. New news. Vision Products has released tubs with deli cup holders. And what? I know this is news. This is the news section and I have brought news to the table. And they've also launched like a plastic holder that can go in your already purchased ones that is perfectly fit so it doesn't get flipped. What? That you can set into it without buying a different one. And the prices are startlingly similar to Freedom Breeder. Sometimes cheaper, depending on what you're buying. And they also come in holes on the side or no holes on the side cup holder and in gray or clear. New news. I just bought all mine from Freedom Breeder. I would have totally bought them from Vision. Right. The Vision ones are less crunchy. You notice that? Like, they're a little bit more pliable, so if you drop them, they don't crack on the edges as often. I haven't dropped any of my Freedom Breeder ones yet, but I've dropped a few Vision and broke them. I've dropped all kinds of things. I'm a barbarian. A bull in a china shop. I've only broken Freedom Breeder tubs so far. That they offer... brain has just died because of this offer of water dish holders. I need to go buy these right now. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's... Very helpful. Once you have a lot of snakes, have like a standardized place to put a holder. I just like this the, is... that they have like whole ones and not whole ones. So you can have the not whole ones in the vision rack and the whole ones in a PVC rack if you were going to keep vision. Yes. You don't need the extra airflow. So they like thought about that and they made you all the versions. So I was going to love it when they actually like make intelligent decisions that reflect the hobby what they need to do is make less holes in the standard shelf like you could buy a shelf with 50 percent as many holes as they have and the one they currently have in my opinion like you should be able to buy like less holes like you can for freedom reader tops or ars tops yep you can do the 25 50 or 75 right they just need to sell different amounts of holes because obviously you can go through and like tape up your holes but that would look like shit but i don't know why they don't offer different it would also be hard to clean i get a pain in the dick to clean i get a little worried about like that kind of stuff and cleaning Mm -hmm. because i thought about it i thought about taping up all the holes above when i was using it as a hatchling but i'm like diseases everywhere (laughs) well if you just kept baby ball pythons in and you weren't i know i know i know it just it still skeeks me out a little 
Did you look at that freeway clown pine yet? I did. What do you think about it? Looks a lot better than it did a couple of sheds ago. You are correct. Yeah, I thought the clown pine, freeway clown pine was much better. We really took a massive dump on it a couple of weeks ago. It sucked so bad before it darkened up. Yeah, he shouldn't have even showing it. Yeah. It just looks like dog shit. <laughs> it looks much better now, but it's still not. I'm still disappointed. As which isn't it should his fault. be. In, it's uh, not his fault. I'm just freeways in general. I feel like, like I said, the yellow belly or the gravel clown pie, I feel like looks just as awesome. Maybe you want the allelic combination. It makes a more powerful breeder. But for like the wow factor, it just didn't. I thought it would be cooler. thought it'd be more neon, you know, and it's not. <sighs> well, I think that's the problem with like clown pie. I know you're in clown pie and you're really excited about it, but I think clown pie will always suck a lot out of a combo between clowns tendency to fade out and look like shit and pied's tendency to have small saddles with not a lot of information on them they are work even though it's a cool combo they're working together to make whatever the the rest of the combo is be less and less impactful so i don't know uh, anything in the world i'm making like ghi 100% clown 50% pied's i'm like Obviously, that's fine. I'll just make, like, super GHI clown pies. They, they might be all white or something because, like, it's super <laughs> yeah, GHI. Yeah, like, who know. fucking knows? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And you're like, oh, okay. It's, I mean, it's fine. It It's at more cool almost. Not the double, but a clutch of clowns and pies and clown pies mixed together with godoms sprinkled in. So you have, that's like, a diversity. Really that's, yeah. like, what's mm-hmm. most fun to me, which sounds weird and stupid to say. But here I am being dumb. One of these days, ball pythons will be like corn snakes. Everything is everywhere, and you're just refining what you already have, and clutches are full of all kinds of shit, and you're like, oh, okay, it just doesn't matter. It's all pretty cool. A new ball python NFT was released last week now. Did you get a chance to look at that website? It's ballpythonnfts.io for everybody at home. And it's .io because they want to pretend to be cool. So these are... Images of ball pythons of different morphs that you have to buy packs of to put them in your ball python wallet. And if you get pied and albino, you can try to breed them together in your wallet and make albino pieds. It's like a game, but they're making people buy with real money. How do you think it's going to do? Hopefully it does nothing and goes away as soon as possible. Because how embarrassing. (laughs) Uh, they spent a lot of time on it though i know it looks nice but i just remember how brian barczyk used to have it was talking about getting a game developer to make a video game that was supposed to be like the ball python breeding just on like an increased time scale and so you could like like a video game is makes sense you could get like like a new morph from the wild or you could buy one at at a show and so like there was a gamification of the process and i'm like that would be fine but this is real money gambling on packs digital packs of ball pythons to try to get the morphs in the packs and they state the rarity but they're not sell your cards to other people i don't think so yet and you also aren't the only person who can hit it so there's if someone buys enough packs that you're not it's not unique to you like other NFTs are, where you're only selling like the right. one NFT that's a piece of art or whatever. 
So I was just like, I gotta go. I wanted to announce it because sometimes we do news. And I thought that was news. It was just... Mm, I'm glad somebody's paying attention because I sure as hell wasn't. <laughs> so a lot of news that I don't talk about. Like, I don't think this is a news show. Is this a news show? No. It's mostly, like, if I saw something weird that I thought we had something to say about it. God, the amount of topics that I ignore is astronomical. <laughs> Even if I have something to say about it. I'm trying to be nice to people. Am I being nice? I don't know. Maybe our next episode needs to just be news so I can hear all the news. Because I am out <laughs> of the fucking loop right now. I gotta get back in. Yeah, there's been a lot of news. Scales family's getting out. Scales family is within our state. What do you think about that, Jana? I am really shocked because they were like, they're like hard into it. And like the urban camo project and stuff. They had a strong YouTube presence last year. And then they haven't this year. Mm -hmm. And they both work. So I don't even know how they were doing it anyway. But they like were doing like, they have like a full rat shed. They have like an addition that they built for their business. And now they're just out. I, yeah, po- supposedly I mean, that, they're trying funny. to sell their collection intact. They don't want to part it out. What do you I think about I, that? I wanted to inquire, but I can't buy it, so it feels shady to inquire. Oh, I was told, dying. announced it was, they were asking for a above $100,000 asking price. Really? Yes. That's been publicly said. Do they have like a list out of what they have? No. You'd have to inquire. That's just what it was said on the, I think it was What's in Your Cup. He was just talking about other people who were getting out, which I didn't know any of them, but there was like four people who announced they were getting out in the same week. And this was one that we knew, so I heard about it. But they were one that was not trying to part it out. I did know that they were trying to sell it as a whole collection. Right. This is all on their Instagram, so this isn't like... uh, Proprietary. Right, or secret or something. Anyway, it's just shocking because like I said, they were full gung-ho media presence and be interesting to hear the dirt (laughs) as to why i mean but shit happens i mean look at me well i mean their instagram looks like they weren't getting out like they didn't like drop off in terms of posts you know what i mean i like looked like went like i mean there was like missing posts they weren't posting every day but they weren't like they just had they just bought a new snake not that long ago so it is really odd yeah right so it's probably something personal or family life or whatever i just thought it was interesting that they wanted to sell the whole collection I feel like that's a lot harder to do. A lot harder to do, and you must sell it at a bigger discount. And a hundred thousand dollars, even if that's what it's really valued at market value, not going to get a lot of people going to just drop a hundred k. Right, and no offense to their collection, but it was very specific. If someone's not into super cine combos that are half probability to be kinked and dead, that's every single one of their urban camo clutches had defects. That's why I don't like that project. Gorgeous right. snake. Some people are not into that project. Who is the person that wants their particular collection? Collection. Like two right. people I in the whole country? I think you're better off selling your breeding projects if you want to go in bumps. Right. If you, yeah, even even if you can. I don't know. It's hard. There's like an interesting debate about clumps versus singles versus the racks plus certain clumps. Which one's better? For the most part, if you're like forced to sell out and you don't have the time to sell slowly, you are taking a, a loss. Right, on for sale sure. Price. So this, the speed at which you must sell is a problem. 
Let's put it that way. It's also a weird time in the season to be selling, too. It's totally weird. Yeah, I don't... Like, this is not when you would get out because, I mean, I have an incubator full of eggs. I have a lot of gravid females and I have a lot of eggs in my incubator. So if I was, like, selling my collection right at this moment... I mean, it's... maybe that's what motivates them to sell it as a group right now because they're selling gravid females and, and eggs, clutches. too. I... Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was crazy and sorry about that. And hopefully get back in the hobby one day. I don't know. I never met them. They were at the July show. I just didn't. The July last year. I mean, I met them. Like I said, hey to them, but I didn't like have a conversation with them. Yeah. Um, they brought their urban camos and I was like, wrong show for that, dude. <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous in person. Holy crap. Pictures don't do the urban camo any justice. But um, like I said, I'm not. Yeah, it's a hatching gorgeous um, no-face snakes. Or pretzel snakes. Or pretzel snakes. Yeah, this is not my, not my jam. Jana, what's grinding my gears this week? Something about the word dwarf. Oh my god, please God, save me from the word dwarf. <laughs> okay, so you know in Retix, the word dwarf kind of means something? Like, they've decided that these localities are super dwarf in their opinion and these localities are dwarf in their opinion and so if it's 50 percent a super dwarf and 25 percent dwarf and 25 percent mainland you can sort of guess an adult size maybe that does not happen in boas it is fucking all over the place dear god in heaven please save me from the word dwarf not dwarf boas <laughs> so i is that what you're saying oh god so there are boas from Mexico all the way down to Argentina, both sides of the Andes Mountains, both sides of the mountains in Mexico. So that's a lot of space for different size boas to exist. Yes. Within within species and within subspecies and just within locality, because Brazil's fucking pretty big last time I checked. So there's a lot of just within Brazil space for boas to be different sizes. I was supposed on Facebook, someone was talking about their pet, and they're like, it's a dwarf pastel het call albino. Call albino, and most pastel lineages are from Colombia. Colombian boas are females are from between six to eight feet. Is that a dwarf? I guess if you're comparing it to a retic. <laughs> right. But no, that word should not be in there. The word dwarf is bastardized and like dwarf washed i think pet stores are like it's a dwarf and it's just like anything like it's literally anything, anything under any anything under, under what feet. yeah is that it <laughs> look at my dwarf ball python <laughs> so there are, in most localities most boas don't even get to 10 feet there are very few localities where like the females are regularly even eight feet I would right. consider eight feet not a dwarf. Last Could time I checked, humongous. I would it, consider yeah. six feet not a dwarf, just smaller than eight feet. I mean, we're talking about numbers here. This is difficult. So then it's like, okay, so what is a dwarf? What about mainland Hondurans? They're six well, feet. Well, also boas, can't you control how big a male gets based on how you fed it? Yeah, and how big a female gets. And how big a retake gets. It, it, you can control any snake by feeding it less or more slowly. It's just like 
if you fed it on something like a, a median feeding trajectory, if the average size was six feet, is that a dwarf? To me, no, is what I'm saying. I've had people inquire about my snakes wanting dwarf boas, and I'm like, the males get four feet, and they're like, that's too big. I'm like, what size do you want? <laughs> You want a rosy boa. Is that what you're telling me? Because <laughs> you want a garter snake. <laughs> yeah, you want a b- bimini blind snake. I don't know what you want because you're asking for something that basically doesn't exist. It exists on a very few locality islands. Crawl K, Cocker K, Tarhumara mountain boas, where the females might hit five feet, but maybe more like four feet. And the males are three or four feet, right? A size-controlled Colombian male that never gets over four feet is the same size as a female Tarahumara. Is that not the same enough for people? Like, these are people, like, trying to buy pets. not a dwarf. No. (laughs) The word dwarf should not be... I mean, it's different because aren't, like, dwarf retics 75% the size of a mainland retic? Isn't it a lot? I don't know. The the retic thing is problematic, too, because... There's only a couple islands that consistently produce animals that no matter how much you feed them will only be 8 to 12 feet, which is still humongous. One third the potential maximum length of a mainland retic. So that's a dwarf, you know, but most retics don't necessarily get 30 feet. They get more like 25 feet. So then it's like it's half ish. And retics are very slight. So that's cool. So I don't fucking know what a dwarf is in a boa. I know the ones that get smaller. So maybe instead of people asking for dwarfs or labeling things as dwarfs, there's even a dwarf thing on Morph Market that's gray. So you can just assign the property of dwarf to any animal. Oh my gosh. Any animal you want. It's a dwarf. People are using that. It's like um, when they put like gluten-free on things that... Right, this bacon is gluten-free. Gluten. Yes, yeah. exactly. That's exactly what's it's, happening. It's just like a trigger word like for sales. Yes, and I don't know what to do with it anymore. A lot of people think hog islands are dwarfs, but hog islands can get sometimes up to six feet. Were they power-fed to get to six feet? Maybe. Maybe their real size fed the way they would on the island would be five feet, but is that a dwarf? Because the fucking Honduran island boas are around that size too. So are they a dwarf compared to their mainland counterparts? No, they're about no, the same size. Not. So yeah. what is a dwarf in boas? Please tell me, Janet. I don't fucking know. And the other hard part is like people's expectations that boas are gigantic all the time. I mean, you've seen my boas. The biggest females actually. are it's really surprising. kind of big, right? They're seven feet-ish, six, seven feet. But they're not what I think of when I think of a big snake. Like, that doesn't seem like they're not huge. Like, they're not a a Burmese or, you know, other things. Like, they no. are a reasonable, they are a reasonable size, larger snake for the everyday person. Right. Most. I don't, I don't think Burmese and retic should be in pet homes. But I'm saying that it is a reasonable size pet for pet homes. It's very surprising how... I don't know. Every time I see them, I'm just like, I just expected them to be bigger. <laughs> right. Well, I think, and then I think people, like when they message me on Morph Market, they're like, I need a dwarf. And then I'm like, the mom is seven feet. And they're like, that's way too big. What do you, what do you want? That's a six, seven foot mom is a normal size mom who can live very palatially in a six foot enclosure. 
and a four foot would be pretty good. That's still too big for you. Then you need to not be looking at boas is what I'm saying. Go look at a yeah, corn snake. Yeah, I mean, snake, like, because I see them in, in your, your vibs. Most of yours are six foot vibs, aren't they? No, they're four foot. But the, oh, my biggest say, female they, they don't is... seem like they take up very much room in the vib. Right. I, and seem... I think a, a pet home should be encouraged to get a six foot because that would allow the snake to stretch out completely if it wants to, which they rarely do. I don't know. Whatever. You know, if you're a pet home, go nuts. Cool. But they are pretty comfortable in a four footer because they're only five, six feet long. The adult females. That's not a dwarf, though. That's just how big they are. <laughs> I just don't understand. I don't understand they just the market. Seem like, they just seem like big ball pythons. They don't seem enormous. I mean, the, yeah, they're, they yeah. are like big ball pythons, but they're more active than big ball pythons. So they would appreciate a shelf. And I mean, a ball python would too. Fuck it. it let's just be honest. Bigger is fine for them. They don't even necessarily need hides because they're just very bold. And they don't care. Especially the older they get, the more they're like, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to hang out in the open and just look at you and wait for you to feed me. <laughs> I'm going to look at you with puppy dog eyes like, bitch, you haven't fed me in six weeks. I think it's, yeah. time, for a, I think it's time for a rat. <laughs> I just want to reinforce and encourage people not to use the word dwarf in relation to boas and if you want to inquire about a boa, do not ask if it's a dwarf. Ask the parent's size. What is the mother's size? I think that would be the better indicator if that's like the right snake for you. Like if you really want a snake that comfortably fits end to end in like a V70 or something. I don't know. Like a corn snake? I don't know. Get a male boa. <laughs> yeah, get it. Almost every male boa is fine for real, for realsies. But even corn snakes that get to five feet when they curl up, there's just not that much there. It's just like a little dew yeah. drop. That's all with dwarfs. The word grinds my gear. The idea grinds my gear. The people's perceptions grinds my gears. And I don't think we should just even talk about the word anymore until someone important defines the word dwarf, which maybe should be adult females no larger than four feet, which would exclude 90% of all boas in the market. They just think that that's a retic thing it needs to stay over in the retic thing right or if people want a pet that's smaller they need to pick a species that it just is smaller right mm -hmm. yes that's what i'm trying to say it's like that's not a thing in other species you just pick based on what the size you want it to be as an adult <laughs> get a ball python if you want a dwarf boa <sighs> the dwarf retic thing in particular is strange because it only it is strange but it's so ingrained in that project that species project breeding like that's so part of it like they to the percentage you know right but i think it's i don't think it's not right but i think the problems that large retakes have small retakes also have maybe i'll leave it at that they're just smaller. yeah i guess retakes shouldn't be in homes pet homes let's just leave it at that did you watch the aep miguel garcia on mj's mm -mm. talk session Okay, the big news was that he was setting up a facility in Mexico for his own snakes. Yes, and, he's been saying and visiting Mexico. That was he announced that to his Patreon people that he was trying to make that happen. Okay, well he announced it publicly, like a and that year ago. Turtle got her mastercites, so they were going to start brokering U.S. sales to Mexico. Not brokering, but like 
if you wanted yeah. to ship to Mexico your ball pythons, you could use Miguel him. as a like a the same as some of the other shippers that go to yeah, other countries. Yeah, that's what he's been working on for the last year because the market over there is exploding. So you can they want things that our market is like tired of <laughs> right. that they don't have access to for like higher prices than what our market is. Right. So he was that was most of it, but he said. I wanted to tell you his males breed at eight months and 700 grams. And he had 22 females that were sub two years old between 900 and 1200 grams that developed follicles and were bred, but he didn't say oh. 22 out of how many. So I'm assuming it was like a hundred or something because he holds back a lot. I don't feel like he has enough racks for it to have been a hundred, but he sells a lot of his older females. So you think it was 50? I just mean like he has like, one, yeah, he, two, three. Right, he doesn't have very many racks. Four, five. He only has like five racks. Six? But he sells packages of older females all the time. So how many young females does he have? Fifty? Well, at least at least forty. I know maybe seventy five. Oh yeah, we should, I Yeah, he didn't say the percent. He just said twenty two. So that was interesting. I'm gonna guesstimate that that's half of the ones that he bred. That's okay. still I haven't had any you just have one. Is she has she gone any further? Yeah, she's gonna. Uh, she's at thirty three or something. Unless so she she's definitely absorbs extremely late. Yeah, she looks gravid to me now. She hasn't ovulated yeah, yet. I, I but... Zero goose egg. Zero twenty um, twenties. I have another one that hit fourteen last whatever. So she's doing it. She's like bumped beyond baseline. So she's doing it. So that's two out of... I wonder if it'll if they'll all be like later in the season because they're still maturing or whatever. Yeah, maybe. So maybe he's right because all of mine are still less than two. Because he doesn't even start his season, like start breeding until like January. That's probably correct around here also. <laughs> Although I don't know. It depends on the, the female. But if I had started my younger females... In January, that probably would have been smarter. Like, their first test lock was l- uh, later. Yeah, yeah. I, that makes sense. Because I had to give them a second lock because it's been three months in January when I should have just skipped that first one. Right. He he said he mentioned test pairing, but he said he just doesn't really even worry about weight or age. It's when they hit 14 millimeters. That was his... They're trying to do it. So he doesn't give them a test lock? He said he, said he can or whatever, but he doesn't care. So, like, he doesn't worry about it. He just knows that they're starting to go, and that's when they get there. It didn't imply that he had consistently test paired. paired them. But I think it doesn't hurt because it's just one random pair to see if they're ready to do something. It's just, he made it sound like he just ultrasounds and waits till they start to go. And that's his only criteria for continued pairing or whatever. And I'm like, okay. Because I don't think... Like the pastel pie that's going, that's young, she didn't start to build immediately after her only pairing. It was like four months later. So did that really make her start to build? Was that the evidence she needed? Or was it just, she was like, I'm just going to do it because this room's kind of cold, I guess. Meh. She wasn't eating good. She was eating okay or not at all. Much of them weren't eating that good. She just was woke up one day and was like, I guess I'm going to be at 20. Whoops. It had really been like four months since she had been locked. So I don't know. 
Remember how I Definitely said... Definitely going to be giving the younger, like the two-year-old girls, much less male attention going forward yeah i mean like they've only gotten one lock every three months since september but that's still i had a lot of 2020s so that's still a lot of work for the boys right because now they've each had two locks right and none of them are doing anything so it's like that's still probably like two females per male that they didn't need to give four locks to yeah it's a lot yeah maybe just one to start it out in january then just ultrasound from there or something like that, depending on like the rhythm of your room or some shit. Cause I've had yeah. some that I like paid more attention to cause they were eating better, like lock them more like every two months cause they were eating a lot and they acted like they might be thinking about it, but they never built follicles. They just kept accepting locks and having fun, you know, super sluts, if you will, super sluts, but Ooh, never okay. built follicles. Just not producers, <laughs> builder, takers, not givers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we all know a couple girls like that. It's fine. I agree. I don't know. What's most important to me is like vigilance with ultrasounding, which sounds stupid. At least every six or eight weeks or so, once they are potentially on some sort of trajectory where they could decide to start building follicles because once they decide to go they seem to go extremely fast if they want to there's the slow growers and then like the exploders and i guess you could miss a female exploding if you're not really paying that much attention to her you stumble into a female and she's already at 20 why did she decide to do that by herself well, i had one from one month to the next went from nothing should not even have had her first lock yet because she laid in september you know, from nothing, I think I talked about this last episode, but nothing to like 25 in a month. Right. So maybe they should literally be, like maybe they should be ultrasounded follicles. every month. It's just a lot of work. And then, <laughs> yeah, and like so she's already a lot of work with not a lot of payout potentially. Uh, if you're just looking for signs in tens or hundreds of young females coming up, seems crazy because you got to do it. I mean, once you they have follicles, you know you don't need to necessarily ultrasound them to confirm. You just need to confirm size. What you got? No, I like ultrasounding. I like seeing the increase. It's like for me, it's like when I like to weigh my females. Uh. It just gives me like that little <laughs> dopamine hit. Yeah, I guess I... something like measurable progress. I mean, I don't need to every month, but I do it for my own. I just find it like enjoyment. really demoralizing and boring to to ultrasound. 45 female ball pythons in a hot room that have no follicles. That's pretty boring to me. I guess that's what I'm saying. I mean, if they have follicles, it's more interesting because you can see it literally anything instead of wondering if it's a male. But once the number starts to go up, you're like, I don't want to do this every four weeks. <laughs> Maybe every six. It is really demoralizing on a few that I've had for a while that I'm still like, I see no, no follicles at all (laughs) and i'm like i know you laid last year for me so i know you're not a male but there is literally nothing in here and you're like a month past when you laid last year what the fuck she didn't want to do nothing for you she doesn't care i did also breed remember i said i tried 20 21 males that were over 500 grams Mm -hmm. and none of them locked well one of them did this week oh good just randomly. The the biggest they, of them. These are balls or corns? Ball, ball pythons. 
Just a random update. Which so, one? The special head clown. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, I don't need him. Uh, sorry, dude. But, so like, hopefully he he just makes a special clown of either gender, and I'll just move on with my life. I'd take either gender to combo with. He was the biggest with like we talked about his penises much too long last time. <laughs> so he he's like right at that I think he was a July baby so he would be 8 months old 700 grams so that sort of fits like the narrative but when people are like my 500 gram locks constantly I'm like that must be a 12 month old I still think that's true A five, my 500 grams that are 8 months old do not give, seem to give a shit no I don't think I've ever had and they have to be 12 and even then, like the first month or two, they don't have it figured out. So it's usually like actually like more like 14 months. Right. Well, this one is younger than that. He just, I don't know, he's been like one of those males, maybe not males, ball pythons that'll hunt and like really be like outgoing and staring at you and wondering what you're doing and begging for food and acting like a boa. So he's like, yeah, the, I know. I know those yeah. types. Those are my favorite they'll ones. They'll come out and they'll periscope right away and they'll give you the eye. So he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You open their bin and they just a, a very confident male that likes to eat yeah. constantly and would eat five times a week if I gave it to him. So it, he's the first one to mature of the 2021 male crop. So that's interesting. That's all for ball pythons. What clutches laid this week for you and last week what are we up to 400 clutches <laughs> one two three i i just pulled clutch number nine today and in the last 10 days i've had four clutches laid and i have three more due that you know of three, three more, more that, have, uh, that have shed i guess they're shed okay okay all right that's cool anything good that's already in the incubator that you're looking forward to that should be yeah, crazy my... Or Maybe something? not crazy to you. You hate you hate this project, but my highway female to my pastel leopard highway male laid, and I'm really hoping for some leopard super gravels in that clutch. Well, one in four. One in four. Yeah, um, I, also... I would be hopeful. How many eggs? Six. All right, that's hopeful, but pretty good. I don't uh, hate first year. So I prefer I... super gravels to highways. I don't hate any snake, except for uh... pastel. <laughs> That's, not That's the lady with all pastel. Yeah. <laughs> My daughter paired her black pastel banana to our snake that Parth node last year, and she's black pewter champagne. Why did you do that? I let her pick, and she had like a couple of. I just she just she got to pick two snakes to pair her male to. Oh. Just for fun. I know, but it's and a super just black wanted... pairing. I just you already had a problem pairing. with kinkers, and there was no other reason to do it besides she wanted to do it. Yeah, just she wanted to, and I didn't know what to do with her because I didn't want to give her an important male and be mad. So it is what it is, and she's either going to parse no again or she's not. So well, how, you won't the... be able to tell them apart. That's the biggest problem I see. Oh, because the male could be super black pastels too. So you won't know That's... if she parthenoed or not. You know what I mean? If you we'll hit see, supers, maybe I'll be like, "What the fuck am I doing?" <laughs> but, <laughs> I, um, I, I don't. It's but fine. Also make like uh, gray matters. My daughter thinks those ones are cool, so hopefully we produce one of those just for funsies. 
But you won't know. I guess if it's dead, it's a super. I don't know. Yeah, that wasn't you can your tell. best test pairing of a possible person no, female. No, it wasn't my best. But I also like I didn't even know if I was going to pair her, and so you should my just picked a like, banana or something. What did you have? It is a banana something. I know, I just banana. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a just banana. Sorry. Oh, uh, you're killing me. Yeah, that one. I know. I know you you're doing my that. best. That one, I'm not sure I would agree with. Because it That's doesn't help fine. you to learn anything about the female necessarily. You're just going to still have to keep her another year. That's fine. It okay. made my kid really happy. All right, then that's all that matters. All right. Did your ARS come? No, it comes on the 10th. Okay. You'll have to report I back on how notice. much you're going to struggle. Yay! How much I'm going to struggle? With putting Doesn't it, it come assembled? No, you bought the hybrid. Did you not buy the hybrid? I did buy the hybrid. Oh, yeah. It's like a multi-hour adventure. Get wine, maybe weed if you're into that. Put on a couple of movies. Try not to kill yourself. That's my advice. And I get to do it solo. <laughs> yeah, there's also like, Yay. you know those screwdrivers that are straight? Or, and you can uh -huh. like angle them? Go, go buy one of those. The automatic ones. Don't get like the big handheld ones because they're not, they're too big to fit into the little holes. So you have to screw hundreds of things together. Have fun. I thought it came together. The expensive ones do. I, I want a refund. <laughs> <laughs> I would invite somebody over because you can like make the levels, like have someone yeah. sit and make a level and you sit and make a level and they sit and make a level. It takes a long time. It's not hard. It's just labor intensive. Does it come on a pallet or does it come on and just in boxes and boxes and boxes? No, it's on a pallet in one gigantic box. But the big cardboard box is not a complete ARS rack. Yeah, it's in pieces. Pieces. Yeah. If you buy the intact one, it comes on a pallet in... Like, the levels are not nested. They're just, like, laying on top of each other to make it shorter. But it's oh, okay. easy to put together because you just re-nest them when you buy it, the, the metal version. But I've bought hybrids for my last two to save money. And then it just takes f fuck all forever to put it together. Worse than a vision rack, which is saying something, because fuck those things. They're also a pain in the dick, but for different reasons. Well, I have that. Yeah, we'll report back. Yeah, we'll report back next week when it's still in the fucking box. <laughs> I mean, you don't need the ARS rack right the second, right? No, no, not at all. All right, so then it doesn't really matter anyway. Like when but I don't want it out in the in the weather. Oh yeah, bring it in the. You know, all the electrical panels and stuff are just... It's like a bunch of shit flopped into a box. Let me be honest. Like, the tubs are loose in there. Like, they, they put stuff so it doesn't damage each other. But it's just like a bunch of shit in a box. The biggest box you've ever seen. You can definitely play, like, a ball pit with your kids. Because that's what I do with it every time. <laughs> it is pretty fun. But, My kids are going to love that. Yeah. yeah. I've got one in Or a really cool, like, kids' wants house to, or something. She wants to live in a box. Forever. You can do that with this box. This is a benefit. Had lots of corn snakes pipping. Sapphire t was bred by Ron Burgundy. So this is a Miami Tessera to Miami Tessera. Remember I thought he didn't catch her right? Uh-huh. And there were some weak veins. Some of the eggs did end up dying, but most of them were fine. They both proved het amel, which I didn't know. And I did hatch them. 
a little the old weirdo weirdo mutant who was very pale uh i have no that idea what the other male no she was never bred to anyone else oh okay you just didn't know if he got it if they were going to be fertile yeah i mean i saw him lock her but he just was like corn snakes are normally like nice and rapey like right away i got this and then they're done but he was slow and scared and i just leave him in there overnight and be like go figure it out boyfriend he did figure it out so good job i don't know what it is about emails this year it's it's cool <laughs> not something you like though i know i i like candy canes pretty good they're cool i just want to see all your corn snakes i feel like you're posting pictures of like one or two babies but you're not posting pictures of like the clutch Oh, well, because I'm going to do a Clutch 1 and Clutch 2 post-shed clutch reveal. The the first clutch is all cinder, so it's pretty boring. So I needed to wait until there was a clutch that was complex to, like, pair with it. This one's pretty pretty complex. Yeah. So there's Mystery Mystery. Yeah, so that will be, like, a fun YouTube video, I think. And then Molly's... So what do you surmise that he is? Because he's orange. I guess that he was Sunrise. And what's that? It looks like an amel. It's born almost looking like a snow, but with like these little faded pink patches. But then it gains color through time. And then as an adult, it like will lose color in patches again. It's like a color IMG in corn snakes. Oh, okay. So it's not like more recessives. It's It's probably its own standalone recessive, but nobody, people only see it in amel. Because that's the only way you figure it out. That it'll be born pale, turn dark. And then look different as an adult. I don't know. That's what it looks like. But there aren't a bunch of sunrises in the clutch. There's only one. So is this just like, a, you know, an incubation error snake? Or... Could one be like a Partheno baby? <laughs> well, we talked about how Partheno and Kaluber uses a dead snake. Oh, okay. Yeah. It could it could be like a random mut- mutation also. So what, what are you going to do with that snake? We gotta keep it. Keep we don't one? fucking dinker around like like it going out of style around here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. He also I mean, is. Did you see that, and you were just like, mine, mine, mine. Well, I saw him in or the did incubator. You see that and you were just like, eh. Saw him in the incubator. And I'm like, I have a white snake in there. It looked white through the like the incubator. I'm like, I took it out. I'm like, this fucker is see through. It has actually black rings around its. I can see it. Yeah its eyes I mean, you can't see in the picture i don't think oh i no i just mean you can see that he's see-through i didn't know you were gonna say eyes he he's a, cool i like he him. has he's black like rings Sherbert. around his eyes like i have never seen an amal corn snake with black in its eyes still so he's like a weirdo is what i'm saying weirdos aren't always genetic i do want to keep him just this i don't even check the gender it doesn't matter i'll just keep him for fun he could be my weirdo pet even if he's not genetic He's a really, really fun color. Yeah, and he won't stay that color. I'm sure he'll change, but he's like, looks green. Most people are like yellowish. In person, he's like that weird green color you get on snows. Like, that's how see through he is. I'm like, this Interesting. snake is weird. It'll be fun. And then Molly's clutch, she proved Het Sunkiss, which is what she was sold to me as, but it's all, she didn't prove anything else out with him. So it's normals and sun kiss 100 head cinder posset head, five thousand things posted a picture i think in my stories but not on my feed i really like sun kiss they're really cool so that'll be interesting because i could sell like a cinder head sun kiss and a sun kissed head cinder that are only half siblings so that would be okay to pair together for people wanting to make shatters 
Now, what about your boa litter? Holy fuck. Okay, so they were supposed to be... The dad was a normal het Central American, and the mom was a hypo het Central American. And I kept the dad because he is, like, the best version of the stonewashed phenotype that you don't see anymore in boas. And I was like, cool, just bring them together. Get some stuff you can sell the show because CAT pluses just look different a, a little bit in some hypos. And I'll keep all the ones that look like dad's normal phenotype. A, none of them came out looking like dad. B, there's only two CAT pluses. And C, worst of all, there was T negative albino in it somewhere. And now I have four T negative albinos of an unknown strain in my boa litter. And people would be like, that's okay. But it's not okay. Because there's two strains that are incompatible that look exactly the same. Sharp and call. And you can't tell them apart except for by breeding trials. So that means both parents, the other parents of the other litter, which are their full siblings, and the other male I bred to another unrelated female, are all het for an unknown strain of albino. So I cannot we sell... We were just talking about this. It's like you, like you brought it into fruition. <sighs> Well, we were talking about like a double head to double head. Right. If you should were we? if you knew they were double head sharp and call, should they be cold? These ones aren't het for both. They're just het for one, and I just don't know which one. So I have to test breed some member of this family tree <laughs> to either a prodigy or a boa woman caramel. And those are the same gene, just different lines of it, and they're allelic with sharp. And they make a combo that looks different than both sharp and prodigy or boa woman caramel call is not allelic with it so if i bred a prodigy to any of them and i didn't get visual either paradises or paradigms which are the two combos you could get then the albino strain was call so then i would have 100% head prodigies 50% head call 50% head cat plus which is the other strain of t plus that they would be head for that's why i was like really complicated and isn't one of them bad and one of them good? Well, in this case, there's less of like a value. Like CAT plus is less valuable than VPIT plus in albinos. The fact that there's an albino strain mixed in with the CAT plus, they're almost the same price on the market. Okay. Okay. So like I can tell them apart and I'm pretty sure I hit a double homozygous one because it looks different, which I don't think one of those has even been born yet that I know of. So somehow I hit a world's first. And didn't mean so it's like to. a double albino? Yes, but it looks different, which I'm surprised. I guess I'm not surprised because CAT plus is weird. Because CAT plus, also known as Burke or the Stone line or the Nicaraguan line, can make angels. And angels are CAT plus plus another T plus line. The VPI one is Archangel. The first one was with Honduran T positive. And they look crazy because it's not on the same allele so they're like both reducing melanin together yeah. yeah so it makes them look like have you posted pearls in, or something or are you waiting for it to shed yeah have i'm waiting for it to it shed in, in boa groups no i'm definitely waiting for it to shed also boa groups all suck collectively so i don't know if i would so there is no place you can just be like this is a world's first devil of i don't fucking know <laughs> right it doesn't matter until i prove it out Really, because I don't know if it's call or sharp to see if it was the world's first of it. And there was only one of those? Mm-hmm. There was only 14 babies or something and two stillborns. 
So a 1 in 16 would have been what I got. I got one of those. Two of the CAT pluses and three or four. Which are gorgeous. Are they? I think they're gorgeous. You don't like the regular ones better? You're talking about that's better than that? The orange one, I think, is better. That's not a CAT plus. What is that? That's the T negative. The sharp or call albino. But it's a sun glow. The thing in the very center, if you want to look at this picture at home. The one in the very center is the one you're talking about that's the freak. No, that is the CAT plus. The freak isn't even in the picture because Chris was holding it when I took that picture. Oh, where's the picture of that? I didn't take a picture. I just took a picture because I was mad that there was T negative in my fucking pairing. And then I posted it on Instagram. The freak looks like the T negatives, the stuff around the edge, but pale. Like someone took away a bunch of its color. And that's not the stonewashed gene that you were trying to? No, I don't think it's a gene. I think it's polygenic. It's just like a tendency to like have a, it's like a pastel lineage without color. This thing. I want to see the whole damn litter. (laughs) Well, I'll take a picture once it sheds. Of the whole it, thing? Yeah, sure. I'll probably do a no, video. Yeah. Like a video. Like a breakdown video. Yeah, yeah. You better do that. Because it's weird. The whole thing is weird. Uh, and it pisses me off. And they are very nice T negatives. Like a lot of color. I think all of them are sun glows. I don't think I hit a single non-hypo albino. Okay, well, the really fucking orange ones are cool. That's a T negative albino. And you don't like those? You weren't expecting those. I no, wasn't really expecting... Okay. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so the orange ones do not have any have melanin at all. I had four orange ones plus the oh, okay. double homozygous. It's not pictured. And and what about what's the one in the middle? That's that like, is a T really plus albino. It has lots of tyros and a still. And it looks, but okay. if you look at the ones next, like up, those are normal hypos. And I think there's one, only one straight up normal. Those ones are much darker than the T plus. If I did a video of this, it would be much more obvious what's going yeah. on. Yeah, you need to do a video. <laughs> Explain it to us. Really dumb people over here. It's like uh, the layperson because I, I think it's. I we are not saying the same things. What did you think was going on? That the the ones on the outside were the T pluses, and the one on the inside was the weirdo. Yes. Okay. I thought you were saying that the two on the outside, the bright orange ones, were what you wanted. And then there's that one dark thing in the middle, and that was not what you wanted. No, the one in the middle was what I wanted. The things on the outside look cool when they're babies, but they have a problem with, like, fading as they get older. They have the eyeball problem, which we've already talked about, where they'll be born with bad eyes. And the only thing to do with them in terms of selective breeding is adding color. All of the melanin is already gone. So you can't like breed them for cleanness or clarity because the selective breeding is all done. People want to buy those? Yeah, I'm sure. They're like very attractive as like a pet. Yeah. I don't want to breed pets though, Jana. I want to breed things that are cool. I know. Yeah, your dang IMG litter didn't go. We don't know yet for sure, but probably. What's the point of the story? I don't know. The point is. I can't keep them all, so I have to breed someone, either the uncles or the father, to a prodigy female that I buy in, or a boa caramel, or do the reverse, find a boa caramel and breed it to one of the mothers. Because I don't know what line it is, and to a pet keeper doesn't matter, but... 
do Japanese rat snakes normally eat eggs? Mm-hmm. They do? Mm-hmm. They're like, they're nest raiders, like, you know, eastern rat snakes. Can you tell? I haven't even been on Instagram. I haven't even seen all these. <laughs> now I'm getting distracted. <laughs> yeah, my problem is they need smaller eggs than chicken eggs, so you need to give them quail eggs or something. Right, right, for sure. But she was checking out. Well, we've already talked about keeping quail and how obnoxious it would be. Yeah, it'd be obnoxious, but it'd be an option. I don't know. One day. The other thing that's happening is the corn males that are younger have been getting better at breeding and locking as the season has gone on. Like, they just grew up in the last four months much better. So, obviously, 18-month-old males' corns don't breed that great when they first come from rumination unless they're really big. But they seem to be doing better as the season goes on. Like, I think I've gotten locks out of the orchid. And I think I got the locks out of the lava shatter. It's just I missed out on all them early in the season because they weren't ready. That's all. That's all. Any other collection updates? Right, probably. <laughs> Jana's going to make everyone a list of all of her homework that she's doing. I didn't even keep a list for myself, so... <laughs> I got a lot of shit happening in my life right now. Right. I well, should we, make a homework list. Well, we have the Monroe show next weekend. So next yes. Monday's recording session will just be like a reaction to the Monroe show. Oh, I love those. Those are my favorite episodes. Right. Just how we did. I'll try to keep better notes. It's a one-day show, so at least we'll have Sunday to like decompress before recording on Monday. We'll still hate the world, so bring your coffee, bitches. <laughs> uh... I don't even know if I have any snakes to take to this show. All right. I think we did it, everybody. We'll see you next week. Unless Jana gargles someone's balls again and gets some <laughs> sort of Belrog of Morgoth illness. No more illness. That was my one-off. I'm, I'm good now. For the rest, For the rest of forever. I don't need to get sick again. All right. Sounds good. Bye. Bye.